right, welcome everybody to the second episode of the Rose Experience. I am lucky and graced to be joined by a long-lost friend of mine, a man that I grew up with by the name of Greg Danton. How's it going, Greg? It's going really good. As good as it's it gets. Going. Out yeah, the so window. We were, just, we were catching up off the air because the truth is, Greg and I go back a long, long way. Like, and when we say a long, long way, we mean like, like almost 40 years, like 35 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, when did we get to uh, Brantford? Yeah. Like, I think I was four when I started school. So, yeah. It'd be 36 well, unless years. You were, unless you had a problem and they left you behind. Yeah, yeah that's possible. They give <laughs> smudge, smush some of the records there just to let me. Yeah, you know. They want me to get a leg up. Connections, or... You know somebody, you can do it. I think that's but, yeah. always been my... Like, I always wanted to go back to school. just like Billy Madison. I think everyone like that. Back to school. <laughs> just to crush things for a while. Yeah, just, just you know... <laughs> recompense in all my errors sure right Build i the feel you and then... but greg and i we grew up together and actually literally neighbors right across yeah. the street from each other we fought over marbles yeah all marbles video- are huge. and why we're doing this is video games more or less i mean listen like i'll talk to anybody this i just started it doesn't matter but i mean we've reconnected at first i reconnected with your brother and, uh, you know, he's like, you should talk to Greg. So, I, I mean, I've always, I, I wanted to. So here we are. But, you know, from like six, seven, eight years old, we were, we were hanging out marbles and videos. Like Sega Master System was our groundwork, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I have such good memories of that, like, that clunky rectangular uh, system. Getting maroonish getting... and black thing. Yeah. yeah. And the ridiculous like cartridges and the maroon whatever checkerboard background and like the the script of the sega game it's uh, crazy like from a design standpoint you think of the sega master system and you it, it was i mean as plain as it was it was kind of brilliant design <laughs> because literally every game had like that that graph paper right um case and then, and then the cartridge was a maroon thing with the title, and right. and same sort of thing. Like right. you'd never get away with that today, right? And uh, I don't know if that was a a North American thing because I know that some of the like the Japanese uh, releases of the of the box art would be you know way more colorful all over the place. I don't think they adhered to the same checkerboard graph Not a paper chance. thing. North America was so boring. <laughs> Like Japan would just have these incredible box arts, like art and and shit. And then ours is just like, here it is. It's so uniform and corporate. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been something with someone must have passed something in a a board meeting. Well, you you read that book, Console Wars. You ever read that? I haven't. No. Okay. Well, it's all about the old Nintendo and Sega Wars. How and uh, it's more or less picks up where um, I forget his name. The gentleman took up uh, Sega of America, and his job was to bring... It, it kind of starts on the onset of the Genesis, but it does touch on the Master System days. Yeah. Um, and his job was to bring the Genesis and, and relaunch it and make it successful in North America. 
and the fights he had with Sega of Japan. And oh, yeah. I mean, he was completely responsible of for for Sonic and and all that stuff and the design decisions. You should really read it. It's, I don't know if you read uh, a lot of books. It's yeah. hard to have time. I mean, you're a father with two kids. It's it's hard to find time. Oh for man, anything, but... I barely have time to put proper pants on these days. Tell me so about it. It's are uh... you wearing pants now? Because I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I have I have three different types of jogging pants, and I just cycle through those. Lately. Just just recycle them. It's yeah. funny because I woke up this morning. I was wearing a sweatshirt for the third time. My wife's like, "Okay, you got to take that off. It's ripe." <laughs> Same thing. Like, like I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I know. Well. The only thing, the only marker I've been at, because I've been dropping my kid off at school in the morning, but then, like, I don't know, people I think are noticing. I've been wearing the same camouflage <laughs> pants they for, like, figured you out, Greg. two weeks in a row. Like, oh, man. I don't know. But there's just all that is just out the window. Like, it doesn't, uh... yeah, who cares? No one cares anymore. So but why yeah. don't you introduce, uh, I mean, we got to do this somewhat formal so people introduce yourself. Right. Um, who you are, what you do, and, and then we'll go from there. Right. Okay. Well, I, as we said, my name's Greg Danton. I'm a concept artist working in the movie and video game industry. Uh, currently, I'm a concept artist for Microsoft uh, at the Coalition, working on... Uh, uh, I don't know if I can say what I'm working on currently, but I had worked on the Is Gears of War franchise. Dark? What's that? Is it Perfect Dark? No, no. Okay. Uh, it's it's like uh, I mean I've shipped Gears Five and Gears yes. Four. I was the lead concept artist on Gears Four, um, but yeah, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I was just a senior artist on Gears Five. Sadly, Gears Five I think looks a lot better. Anyways, that had nothing really to do with me. Or at least that's what I'll say. Uh, but yeah, I went to school for um, classical animation at Sheridan, which growing up, everyone said that that was the place to be. Um, was to it? me, I kind of just figured out that I'm, I am I can't animate uh, and I don't like it at all. Uh, but it did teach me a lot of fun fundamentals. Like it was all drawing every single day and it had a good history to like storytelling and stuff like that. Even though I'm, I'm not an animator at all, but uh, some of the foundation I, I still carry through today. Um, but yeah, so my current position is at Microsoft, but uh, I was a freelance artist there for a while doing a number of different things. I worked at uh, Ubisoft Blizzard. Uh, I worked on uh, Die Hard Six. I know that's everyone's favorite movie. Uh, I worked on uh, the sequel to Three Hundred. Uh, okay, yeah. A couple Actually, other you know, things. I like that film. Oh yeah, I didn't even see it. I did like. Oh I had no, to do... there's a really good sex scene with Eva Green. Oh really? I'm into that? Oh yeah. Was it like a smoky? Some oh yeah, for- like it was, it was, it was like really, it was, it was quite graphic. Right. Thankfully, I didn't remind have to me work of the on time. It. It remind me of the time where your dad vetted the uh, the Van Damme movie Double Impact. There was a sex scene in us to make sure if we could watch that. <laughs> He's like, you I remember that? I don't know. I do honestly. I remember the dumbest shit, Greg. Like, 
I'm a well, surprise. I told my wife I'm an early candidate for Alzheimer's. I'll probably have it when I'm 65. <laughs> but for now, I, I just every once in a while I remember these this dumb useless stuff from my uh, from my childhood. And stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I have such yeah. a an awesome like nostalgia for those Van Damme movies. Oh yeah, like we watched them like Lionheart, <laughs> Double Impact, Bloodsport, and Kickboxer. We're just on like repeat, repeat. Yeah, Van Damme was basically our our Santa Claus, like our god at that point. Yeah, yeah, I could not get enough of Bloodsport, and especially like because it was like hard to obtain like a video or whatever. Like you know, you didn't have pay per view. It was like you had to go to the video store. It was rated R, so like you couldn't just go rent it. So like, I remember seeing Bloodsport at uh, Video Flicks, and like, it was on the shelf, and then I'm like, holy shit! What is that? It's, it must be violent. It says blood sport on it. And like it had this cool karate guy pose. Yeah, he's on the doing front. like a sidekick and his spinning kick. Right. That's like the poster, right? Right. I think if you actually did that, you'd break all your ankle bones. Like that spinning. I don't know, man. Like that guy's like 60 years old. I still see him doing some of that stuff. Right. Right. I am. Um, who is he? He was training uh, Uriah Faber and. Cody Garbrandt. I don't know if you follow MMA. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, there was some incident where he like accidentally kicked him in the face. Van Dam kicked Garbrandt in the face. Okay. And uh, he like kind of had like a nervous breakdown in front of Cody Garbrandt. Like he because he felt bad. <laughs> yeah, he felt bad and like uh, uh, there's a whole thing. It's. I think there's an interview on Joe Rogan. Uh, okay. Why with, did? Because I, I I listened to the Rogan podcast. Did he have Van Dam on? Or he was had it like Cody Garbrandt? Oh yeah, Cody on. Okay. Yeah, and he he was saying it. It doesn't look good for Van Dam. It was like it was hearing you know when you meet your hero or whatever. You're like, oh, sure. never meet your heroes. That's the right. that's the line, right? Right. And not that I met him, but it, you know, you hear an anecdote or a story like that, you're like, takes him down a peg. I kind of wish I'd never heard that, but. Yeah, it, the exchange was terrible, and like <laughs> it was just, you know, made him look kind of like a boob. It's not. It's never gonna ruin the memory for me. <laughs> Van Damme movies for me are like that's Michael Meg Graceland. I just I can never get enough. Right, you know, there, predator. There's like a new blood sport coming out. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. I and I had no idea about it. I saw like a a trailer on YouTube, and I thought it was like one of a stupid fan-made trailer where it was just some made-up movie. No, but it's like an actual real thing. There's funding. That's good. Yes, there's so, yeah, there's funding. <laughs> are, are you involved? I don't know. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll reach out to someone. Maybe I can sure. get involved. Well, did you ever read that... So, the real Frank Dukes was actually like six foot four. So... There's conflicting reports on that. Like, remember at the end of Bloodsport, there's all the he holds these records for fastest knockout and shit. Right. But then, like, there's other things saying, like, this guy lied about it, that the Kumite doesn't even exist. <laughs> Everyone's out there like, what the fuck is this? Is this like an interview about video games or is this about the Kumite? But yeah, like, I don't, who cares? You know what? As far as I'm concerned, Frank Deuce is a superhero, okay? <laughs> he deserves his own video game. He deserves his. He de- Give him his flowers. He deserves it. Right. Um, but yeah, no, uh, not to like go off on a crazy movie nostalgic tangent, but like uh, 
yeah, even the 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 like Sega games and like that era was awesome. It was like it was like a magical video game time. Even when you like got like a cartridge or you got a box, uh, there was something really fun about that. Like people will go out and buy a cartridge form now because they want that like experience of going out and buying a physical copy. But we just kind of got that all wrapped up for free uh, in the era that we grew up in. And even that, like, I think you guys bought Fantasy Star. And yeah. it was like 110 bucks or something like that. It was that. expensive. It was like more because there's more data in it. Yeah, and <laughs> more megs. It had a save state and more megs. <laughs> it was heavier or something. Uh, but I remember that being such a cool thing. I don't even know if we ever bought it. I, I don't know if we... I remember well, playing. I bought it. You, I mean, but when when one of us bought something, we all owned it. Like that right. was just kind of the way it was. We'd trade it, uh, and and it's like when I talked to your brother. Uh, for everyone out there, like I, I interviewed uh, Greg's brother Steve on on my last episode. He's the co-creator, creator of Two Ton Studios, and on to the end. But, um, like those games, it's like we. Not only were they our foundation, I have this theory about Sega, like Master System. Bear with me for a sec. It's like, because everyone back then, it's funny because in our bubble, we just were what we were, but Nintendo was the thing, right? right? Everyone played the NES. Yeah. Like Sega Master System was such a, a small thing in the grand scheme of things. So I actually think we were extremely lucky to fault for our parents to actually get us that because. I think the NES people, like the Sega Master System is a complete blind spot for them. Right. Because if you were playing the Nintendo, you didn't play anything else. Yeah. Like us being Sega kids, we knew what that was. We loved it. But Nintendo was an inevitable lateral step for us to eventually jump into. We experienced all that. Right. Right. So I just think like us being Sega kids, it allowed us to appreciate that but also see the Nintendo stuff. Whereas I don't think Nintendo people actually played the Sega games at in the early stage. That's true. Yeah. I just kind of always thought it was like a 50, 50 neck and neck race. I didn't really know that Nintendo was just crushing uh, yeah. Sega at that point. And it really was like you, you look back on the sales and stuff like that. Oh. It was, it wasn't even close. Like the Sega master system was, was a very niche thing. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me, uh, was yeah like the graphics or whatever that term yeah was but that was a, a big thing for why we got sega i think it had more colors or something that it could maybe i, I don't know what the hardware of it but I, I i always remember like a lot of nintendo games were like pretty washed out like they they i think they were on a different type of uh hardware setup so some of the sega games just looked better i think there was like one-tenth of the content, though, looking back on it. Oh, for sure. Like, the library was quite limited, comparably. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just remember that added to, like, the fuel of, like, the scarcity of, like, oh, there's a new Nintendo, or a new Sega game out. But, like, it didn't even matter what it was. It was like, oh, it's new, so let's go play it, and let's buy it. I remember... uh, And it's funny, like, if Nintendo was so popular, yet you and I being neighbors, we were both Sega kids. <laughs> right, I know. Because yeah, that's we actually pretty rare. In the grand scheme of things, in the West, which was all of North America, 
it was relatively rare. Like, I mean, what's what's I, I think the total sales of the Sega Master System was under 20 million. Oh, was it really? Eh? Yeah. Hmm. And that's globally. Right. right. I mean, maybe maybe 23 million, something like that. Like, I'm not some, right. you know, historian of sales, but it was quite low. Right. Yeah. So, um, and that was odd because like, uh, I don't know who who got it first or what started the chain reaction. Because uh, Casey, I don't remember Casey. He had a, he had a Sega. Uh, it was like you know we it like dictated who we hung out with. It was yeah. like, you're a Sega kid, you're a Nintendo kid. I don't know about you. I don't know. Like it's... <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, like I don't know. We must have like Branford must have been like a it's like a, like a Sega town. And looking back, yeah, it probably was some like problem with shipping when we were kids and Maybe. we just did, didn't get any nintendos in the zellers we had the next to it. shipping lines yeah uh but yeah um, i remember when i got my first sega it came with gangster town it came with choplifter <laughs> and i tried to change the the cartridge from choplifter to gangster town my dad got mad at me because he thought he's like you know enough is enough for the first night <laughs> you know just too much excitement for one night. <laughs> you know? oh man gangster town Oh, that's a with the phaser gun. You remember that, right? That was uh, chop. But that was our roots. Um, yeah, you know, just talking to your brother, how he used to lock us out, or we would we would push him to play the hard games like Zillion Two. We would lock him in the room and 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 see if he could finish it and not disturb him. Man, I have a crazy story of uh, Casey playing Black Belt. I don't know if you remember. Okay, that game. yes, yeah, yeah. So, like, for whatever reason, like, uh, I don't know, he's, he must have been, like, Like, I remember, seven. real pause, I remember Casey had the crazy claw, yeah. like, like, he played controllers like a, like, he played like a flute. <laughs> right. Like a weirdo. It's because he like, was left-handed. Again, Greg, like, why do I remember this shit? What's wrong right. with me? That's a really good, like, mental, uh, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, sugar cube type of thing. Yeah, he, because he was left-handed. So, okay. uh, yeah, he held it like this, yeah, like and it was so like, weird, right? Yeah. It was so bizarre. Um, but yeah, so he was playing uh, black belt, and then like like you were talking about, like locking my brother in the room. Like he was doing really well, and we were like all cheering him on. And then he's like, "Okay, I need to take a break." He's like, "My eyes are watering." So. <laughs> His eyes are like starting to stream down his face. And he's like, I can't do it. I, I can't I can't play anymore. And he's like, hold on. And my brother's like, hold on. <laughs> Let me get you some glasses. And the only glasses we could find is my grandma's like big frilly pink shaded. Oh, man. Like, I don't know, flowers all over the side. And then like he puts them on. He's like, okay, that's better. <laughs> and you can still see tears streaming down his face, but he's still playing. He got pretty far. I don't know if he cleared it, but like, it was just like the sacrifices you did. It was such oh, yeah. a epic thing to try to defeat some of those games. And there, there, was no, so... there were no save states. There were no rest modes. You no. just, like you said, with your brother, like you turn the TV off and hope mom and dad didn't see the green light on and just right. pull the cord. Right. Because electricity is very expensive, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I remember that with like uh, Sim City. Like the the secret was just to leave it on all night or for like mm -hmm. weeks at a time and just let mm -hmm. 
your economy build or whatever, turn off all the disasters and like let all your money build. I'm like, oh, cool, I got two million sim dollars, but you just started a house fire in your basement because it's been on for like three and a half weeks. Absolutely. So Greg and I, to start with his art career, we used to draw together. Yeah, I remember that. I was never as good as you, and it used to bother the shit out of me. Really? And I would I... ask you for I asked you for like hints on how to draw fucking hands and feet. You can swear on this podcast if you okay, like. Okay, cool. Way. Hands and feet because I always sucked at them, but I loved art and I always loved drawing like the things that we did. And it's and it's crazy that you you took this thing that we did as like literally little kids right. and made it into a career. Yeah, I always I remember that. Because uh, like, like we're so so sorry to pause you. I mean to interrupt because yeah, I mean kind of lost the natural scope of things is once high school hits you you lose touch. That happens. Were you still like super into art in high school? I wasn't education wise i was a terrible student like i didn't i was getting in trouble all the time uh i wasn't doing anything i was um i took one art class in grade 10 and i got 36 percent in the class like for a yeah. final final grade but like not to throw any teachers under the bus but like the teacher was a science teacher and he was like taking it as an extra thing to like teach mm -hmm. students and I could tell that like he didn't really care and I didn't really care about the assignments sure. or whatever I wasn't really progressing and that was kind of the last thing I did uh, in high school until uh, my last year um, OEC year uh, a friend of mine was in a art class and he's like oh man I, I got a hand in this art assignment um, it's due after lunch. He's like, I'm like, oh, give me that thing. I I can draw that for you. <clears throat> and I drew this tree with a birdhouse or some ridiculous thing. And then like, it was in the cafeteria, and like, I had not really thought about it at all. But then like, I was drawing this tree, and I did it really really quick. And then there was a bunch of people like, oh wow, that's really good. Like, what? Why don't you do that? Or like, I I just never really thought of it as like. Like you said, like a career or something you yeah. could do. I just wasn't really exposed to like, oh, I can actually do this. I thought it was just something I did on. So the that whole time from like, you know, grade nine on, did you still doodle and and draw in your in your part time, or or you just leave it alone more or less? Really, kind of left it alone. I don't really okay. have any memory from because uh, that's crazy. Nine. Like most guys, I, I find art seems to form like the formative years are in that high school time. Like you can love it as a kid, but you really find it in high school. Like you found like all the artists were doing art on the fucking walls and stuff like that. And right. You know, and, 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 and doing things. It's just, it's crazy that you could, you could leave something like that and then just pick it up and still be good at it. Yeah. I mean, in grade school, I, I did, I stuck with that. Um, up until grade eight, and I like I got the art award for a grade elementary school. Or okay, but I never. When I got to high school, I just never did anything with it until that afternoon. And I then, was a shitty student too. You don't have to feel bad. <laughs> <I was laughs> <Yeah. terrible. laughs> but like, um, uh, 
Yeah, after that, I signed up for four art classes in my last year, and I took mm -hmm. a tech class or whatever. And that was really it. After um, I had really good art teachers once I got into St. John's uh, okay. at my final year. I want to see if I can remember their names. Like Mrs. DiStefano, Mrs. McDonald. Mrs. DiStefano was awesome. She was okay. pretty instrumental in like <laughs> saving my career as mm. uh, from being a delinquent high school dropout. I was I was doing terrible, like doing awful. But she kind of recognized, okay, this guy's got some talent. Uh, Mrs. McDonald gave me this assignment to draw like the school calendar. Uh, and that was like, okay, I can do this. And like, people really like this. And she likes it. And then Mrs. DiStefano kept like encouraging me to do more stuff uh, and encouraged me to apply for Sheridan, uh, okay. classical animation. That's but, really important, you know, to, to have like, because, you know, in school, some people are just like, you know, you go through the motions. It's not cool to apply yourself or to chase something. Right. But when you get something like a like a figure that you kind of respect and they push you in a certain direction, it really matters. Oh, man. And it sounds think... like it changed a lot of things for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of stumbled into that backwards. But, like, uh, truthfully, yeah, you need to have an option to know what you could do. You need to be mm -hmm. exposed to like your future self. If you don't have that, and so many kids don't, I know tons of people that just, I don't know, they never found their thing to, to kind of go after, which is sad, but like, um, you need that. You need to have that like, oh, I can do this. Oh, that's a, that's an option for me or I can follow this path and then you can see a route to get there. That was really, really eye-opening. Um, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, pretty important for me. I don't think I would, I don't know what I would be doing. Um, but yeah, things kind of snowballed from there. I got into Sheridan. That was also all this. So stuff what was, was your course at Sheridan? Was it a visual arts? Uh, it was classical animation. Classical animation. Okay. So at the time, that was like a very difficult program to get into. Yeah, remember... it was. For anyone out there, like we live in Canada. Well, yeah, we do. We live in Canada. Um, Sheridan is like the the top animation uh, development art school in at least southern Ontario. Anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. That was the thing known as like oh that's difficult but i remember lots of guidance counselors saying like oh well don't don't apply there because you won't get in <clears throat> truthfully isn't that bullshit yeah it is like i remember talking to like counselors back then about stuff exactly like that yeah. and it's like going back to your previous point it's like you had someone believe in you but like there's so many people out there growing up or whoever you are out there that you could be like you do a thing and you're like you have a knack for it but Sometimes you, you don't let your ego um, let you feel like you're actually good at it until someone else that's good at it tells you you're Validates good. Validates you, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Validation. Yeah. Until then, you're like, who am I to just fucking do this thing? You know what I mean? Like, I enjoy <laughs> it, sure. But, like, this can never be something. But right. then someone tells you that it can be. And you're like, you know what? Actually, they're right. <laughs> right. I think, uh, I mean, that's half of the battle not to steal 
G.I. Joe's quote, but like... Steal away? It's like... You need to have that kind of belief in yourself to be able to make that leap. Uh, you got to be able to like... Whenever you're learning something new, everyone is terrible. They're always crappy. Yeah, you might not get into this school, but it's not... It's, it's still worth trying. It's still worth sure. like pursuing that and going after that. Uh, but like... Yeah, there was just... I was... I think a, through my earlier career in high school, I, I was not regarded as anyone that was going to do anything. I thought that, uh, not that I'm on this lofty position now, but like, I, I really think that most teachers just did not want me in their class because I was sh- kind of a shit disturbed. It, it was just cocaine and hookers for Greg. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, trying to kick it. But like, uh, <laughs> It's like uh, so. You go on to Sheridan. You're surprised to get in. Parents are excited. Yeah, and and then what happens? So, uh, yeah, even that was like a, a bumpy ride. My first year, uh, just the class and the wave I was with, they were a really talented group, and I think that was my first time like out of the house. Uh, but. It wasn't a program where you go to school and you have fun. Like people were talking about, oh, I get to go to college. I'm free. I can go party. I can go do all this stuff. Like my first year was like a massive wake up call that like, okay, I think I'm really good. There's also 75 other kids that are just as good as me. Just and as all- good. <clears throat> or at least. And I- honestly, that's, that's pretty important. Like that, like that checks your ego, that one that built you up. Right. And then you're like, you know what? If I'm going to fucking do this and I'm here to do this. Like, I better, like, focus in. So, like, that was, it was good to be exposed to that, but, like, I don't think I was even mature enough to, like, handle that level of commitment. Like, I, you know, I still wanted to go out and party and drink and do goofy stuff, but there was no time for that in that course. Mm -hmm. It was insanely stressful. Tons of work. There's, like, notorious, uh you know, stories of people sleeping at their desks. Uh, there was there was a teacher that if you didn't do well, they would he would staple a Harvey's resume to your work and he'd just tell you to go go get a job at Harvey's because that's like <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. But it was like heartbreaking because I mean, like, you would in go retrospect, in retrospect that's good. But I can't imagine being a student. Oh and so there's you know you'd go through these these assignments and they're all difficult. Nothing was like a breeze. Um, and all the, you know, the teachers had really good reputations. All the students had good reputations for being like great artists. Um, so there was all of that kind of working with you that you had to compete and you had to get better and you had to practice constantly. I remember fucking reading anatomy books until fucking I was like purple in the face. Like yeah. learning the, the muscle structures, learning all the bones. Yeah. There was a German artist, I think his name was like Gottfried Bombs or something like that. But the way he articulated skeletal structures was very geometric and it was really mm-hmm. easy to read. And so every student wanted that book and only one kid had this book. And we were all clamoring over how to get this book out of his hands or whatever. We, we could never do it. But getting back to it, like, yeah, I don't think I was personally ready the first year um it's hard because like what are you 19 yeah i think i was 19 i was probably 18 officially when i started because i was born in september but but it was uh i probably should have done 
a ramp up the easier course before I jumped into there. I think my skill level was up to par, but I kind of yeah, want to get it. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I wanted to ramp. I should have ramped into it. But my first year, yeah, that was tough. I was super hard on myself. Uh, that was difficult getting through that. Um, my first year, yeah, I, I dropped out. And then, like, uh, yeah, that was that was a terrible time because I came back. My parents had separated, and we had gone back to uh, London. So after I got out of school, we went back there. But I reapplied again the next year with a new kind of mindset and I went back into the animation course. Um, and this so year, I think classical. So same course, same course. I did the exact okay. same course and all the kids that were in the course, like uh, that I was with was were a year ahead of me uh, when I went in the second year, but I just was so much more mentally prepared. Uh, and I just felt much more comfortable, and I realized what the what what it was I was getting myself into. So I kind of ramped myself up to get ready for this kind of wave of work. Um, and yeah, like even then, I was not a good animator, but I liked drawing. And everyone, I think I was known as like the perspective guy back then. Like, I don't know if you know what perspective, like three point. So perspective. describe it. Like perspective is like drawing a horizon line, two dots, and then like. At, that is an artistic way to like replicate reality. It's like, and then fill it in with detail. Right. You draw lines to like, you know, say a building or a cube, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, being known as a perspective guy, I don't really know how to describe it, <laughs> but it I knew how to is. draw. No, like I get what you mean. And I've, you have a, well, you had an Instagram account uh, with your art that you haven't really touched for a bit, but that was the only way I could find you. Yeah, so my main work is on ArtStation. Um, okay, yeah. But, yeah, I, I've i been uh, so busy since maybe the last five years of my life. Uh, th there's so much work. There's so much. I just thought it was so rare to get a, a freelance contract. Maybe seven years ago, I was like, oh, you know what? I'd like to start doing freelance, but it's it's hard to get these contracts. Um, and I just kind of like changed the way I approach my work and with the way I presented it. And I actually started presenting my work, which was uh, a thing you kind of got to get over. Like if you want to get exposure, you got to show yourself to the world. You have, you have to get it out there in whatever channel that is. If it's Instagram or ArtStation or one of the other six billion other platforms there is now but like twitter is also a big one now but like yeah uh there's just so much work coming in i i um i just find it hard to have free time to do anything for myself lately um which is uh, a good and bad thing it's sure like, careful what you I mean everything for. is a gift and a curse right so you you go through sheridan you, yeah. you, you know you go through your lumps trial by fire you graduate yeah, barely. <laughs> yeah, and then and then what's the next step for you? Uh, so then I took a course um, at Seneca for 3D art. Because at the time when I was leaving, 2D animation wasn't what it used to be. It used to be that like, you know, like DreamWorks and Disney would show up at your graduation and like, you know, give you a... Pick of the litter, yeah. Right, like come work for whatever, Don Bluth or... 
Disney, and that was unless you, I was sold on the what was what was Sheridan. Um, but that era had kind of come and gone. Right when I was, it was probably already almost gone when I was starting, but it was really gone um, when I uh, when I graduated. So I had to pick up uh, something else, which was a 3D course, so, because video games were becoming more more popular and like more viable uh, avenues for employment. So I took a 3D uh, gaming uh, environment art. I guess it wasn't environment art. It was just 3D gaming art, something like that. Um, yeah, and I did that. Uh, I was briefly, I was like the art director for the games project. Uh, yeah. At Seneca? <laughs> at Seneca, like Seneca York or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. Um, and that was a year course, but that was also, that was also like, I knew I needed to like this, this year I have to, get a job at a, right like right out of school and I gotta like get out of wherever the heck I am I knew I knew that like uh yeah there was a lot of pressure to get that get that in order like um I'd spent three years at Sheridan I think I spent like $38,000 and I had nothing to show for it really because there was no more classical animation jobs type of thing at least for me there was flash jobs but not uh so taking that gaming course though it's like okay well there's jobs out there there's a there's cool places i would want to work at and was i was aware of those those places to get it get a job at after that so anyways yeah that was a difficult course but trained me a lot some of the stuff i used in that course i still use today um even though concept art is traditionally like traditional with photoshop but um the 3d base that i learned there was really really good uh so out of there uh i got a job at silicon knights um okay so that's your first place yeah first place well i had an internship so did you okay sorry go ahead yeah an internship at god i can't remember the name of the place they made a tune shade racing game fuck i can't remember anyways uh internship there but then i got my first job was silicon knights in st Catharines, ontario which was um it was good. It was like a great first job. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to go there because the art director used to work at Disney, and I was like, okay, I got to go there because I could probably learn something from them. And the concept crew there was pretty big. Uh, I think I had like seven people, and they were all good artists. Um, some of them I still talk to today. So what were you working when they when they took you on? What was your first game you were working on? So the first game was so this is kind of an infamous uh, uh, game. It's called Too Human, but um, so it, they lost some sort of court battle where they had to destroy every copy distributed <laughs> ever made, and there's no you couldn't uh, publicly say it was worked on or something like that like it was some crazy thing because they sued epic uh for using their engine when it, I, I guess the judge did not see it that way the judge no thought... they did yeah they completely disagreed <laughs> yeah i don't know all the nuances but still, yeah. silicon knights is infamous for that that's i was actually leading you into. i didn't know but oh. i just i wanted to ask yeah 
Yeah. I mean, it was a great first job. Um, but it was Silicon, uh, any Canadian artist, Silicon Nice. I, I've talked to a couple of people. Silicon Nice seems to be where fifty percent ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a pretty big catch there for a while. It was either you you work for Silicon Knights, maybe a rock star, which was in Oakville, or Ubisoft. I, one was in Montreal. A lot of my friends from school went to Ubisoft, and then the other batch of us went to Silicon Knights. I was the first one out of my class to go to Silicon Knights. Um, and then they came to our class. I don't know, Dennis Dyack, he's a decently yeah, famous yeah, yeah. guy. He gave a pitch, but he really sold us on the whole culture of that stuff. And I have great memories of that place. It was a, kind of a crazy, a crazy place. And it's unfortunate that they, you know, it didn't, uh, all that stuff kind of happened. I don't even know the full ramifications of all the things that went through. But, um, but yeah, uh, but after I think like three years of that place, I went to Radical. Um, <laughs> I think I can say this. I was working on Scarface 2. So the thing, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Scarface, but he doesn't survive. But in our game, he did. So like, uh, it was... Uh, say hello to my little friend. Again, Number yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that was also that's what got me out of Ontario. But and got so where me, was Radical based out of? Uh, Vancouver, Vancouver. Okay, so that brings you to the West Coast. Yeah, and that was kind of a crazy thing to to leave everything. Uh, it's yes, exciting I, though. I still can't believe I actually did that because I remember sitting at my desk at, in St. Catharines and being like, "Ah, I got to get out of here." And I just was looking on uh, for jobs anywhere, just far away from where I was. I'm like, oh, this this has an environment art position. I'll just apply. And I applied one morning, and then I got a response in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, well, <clears throat> I guess I'll, I'll follow through with this. Why not? Right. But, like, so that was pretty... It was okay, but uh, after six months there, the, the company folded. Uh, or at least they said... Uh, Two of the projects are getting canceled. My Scarface, I can understand why they did it, but like Scarface 2 was being canceled. And uh, so I was out of a job. So are you on, when you're taking these jobs, are you on contract work at this point? So uh, the first one was like a full-time. Second, like Radical was full-time. After uh, Radical, I went to Relic which was a really great place. Um, so when you leave Silicon Knights and, and Radical, would they have to pay you severance and things like that? Radical did. Uh, okay. Silicon Knights, I just quit, so they didn't give me severance. But, okay, um, I'm just trying to paint a picture for any, like, the six people that will listen to this, you know what I mean? Right. So just... Yeah, that was a great thing, getting severance for uh, Radical, because uh, I got a job immediately after I left uh radical so and they also gave me my severance so i was like oh wow i should get fired more often i don't know that'd be kind of cool why uh, not yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah working at, at relic and relic was a had a really good reputation they just shipped company of heroes mm-hmm. um and they were working on space marine which was like uh it's kind of like a, a comp competitor to gears of war um but it just never was. Uh, Which is ironic because you ended up working on Gears of War. Right. Yeah. 
And I always had lots of respect for Gears of War. Uh, it was kind of like, it was like a, when it first came out, I mean, it was a pretty good franchise. Like it kind of came out of nowhere, but it was made. Well, Gears of War was huge. I mean, yeah. along with Halo, that's really what launched Xbox entirely, right? Right. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, figuring out where, where that came from, like, I think it was made in South Carolina. Um, but you can kind of tell, like, the roots of that were, like, based um, from that. So they had kind of like, a good groundwork for inspiration for why they made Gears of War. Anyways, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, Relic was pretty was uh, was pretty good. Uh, what did I work on? Space Marine, Company of Heroes, a couple other things. So you're just doing you're doing strictly concept art at this point. All concept art, yeah. I had a brief stint of uh, as an environment artist at Silicon Knights. That's how I got in there. But after I was I got into the front door, I I, I really wanted to do concept art, so I. Uh, I think after about six months, I switched over to the concept art team. But I had to apply, and I had to, like, you know, redo my portfolio as drawings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um... So, explain for people, like, concept art is obviously art. But what's the process? You you do the art based on instructions? Kinda. I mean, it's kind of like they have uh, an art director or a narrative designer will have, like, a script or an idea... And they kind of want you to visualize what they are thinking. So they give you buzzwords and concepts, and right. it's up to you to, like, a character, and then you fill the gaps from there. Yeah, like, it's my job to, like, create images that are inspirational either for the team or for them or for uh, publishers that are looking at, like, oh, what is – this is your idea? And, like, it, there's a picture showing what that is. Um, like, give me – Give it, so, so a narrative designer, I, you don't even have to give me like a, a super accurate example because I know you don't want to put anyone under the bus. But, okay, you're working wherever. Someone comes in a narrative designer and they're like, okay, Greg, like we're thinking desert area, character A, B, you know, so like how does it work? And then, and then they give you this idea and they're like, okay, give me an image in what? Two, three days? Five days? Yeah, it's normally like... Um... You know, the general process is to give them some thumbnails, which is just rough little sketches that are as mm-hmm. big as your thumbnail. But, you know, it's it's normally about that big or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, generally they'll have like you'll have like a kickoff meeting and they'll, they'll describe some sort of setting, what the time of day is, who the characters are, um, what they're kind of looking for. They may provide some reference, like here's some google search images that we yeah, found yeah, yeah. and then they're like yeah come back to us with with what you what you got out of this meeting and, and and shoot it back to us and uh yeah that's normally how it goes normally it's like um lately at least they don't really want to get in the way they have a rough idea they want to keep it very vague and then they want you to fill in all the gaps visually uh and do you prefer that yeah it's much easier i mean it just I would the, imagine so. Yeah, like it, there's other things of like if it's really micromanaging and they're they know exactly what they want, that's often more difficult because you know it, it's their vision. You're trying not, to realize their perception on something that they already have. Right. Like you're just trying to fill that gap. Whereas 
I mean, you're the artist. Right. Give me the idea. Give me the characters. Like, you know, give me the inspiration sort of, and I'll fill that gap for you. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, like, the difficulty with, like, you know, having something that's someone has in their mind very, very clearly uh, is that, you know, if they could actually articulate it to their full potential, you wouldn't need a concept artist because they could articulate it. So that's where the problem comes in with, like, you're trying to hit a target that uh, only they have in their own internal mind. It's difficult, but, like, certain people are better at articulating what they want and knowing where an idea is rough enough that they can just let go and let you fill in the gaps. Yeah. um, Or let the artist take over. That's the healthiest kind of way. It's kind of like... You know, being a coach or something like that. Like, yes, well, you can also the difference between a good manager and a bad manager. Right. Well, like, yeah, you need to be able to let your employee fill in the gaps on their own. You need to be able to like let your artist do that. Yeah, it'll you'll get more buy-in from like the artist. You'll get a better result. Anyways, yeah. So, so from Relic, um, you go on. How do you get to? I mean, yeah, like streamline me into to where you are now. Yeah, so from Relic, um, I went to a job fair just with a couple of friends, and there was a whole bunch of movie people there, uh, VFX. Uh, yep. And I didn't yep. really know of that as, a, as an option, uh, but I just went and I brought my portfolio, and a lot of people were interested in my work and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, maybe I can do this. Uh Again, yeah, I kind of stumbled through all this kind of stuff. But it's um, funny because, like, most guys are like in, like, Greg, like, I only knew you as a kid, more or less, but it seems just like you're like, yeah, I guess they're into it. Uh, You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, yeah, why not? I mean, I didn't know if they'd be, but I'm kind of here and they like it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of, I don't know. I never really. You're kind of like the king of chill. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I never really. I don't like. I never really put that much uh, onus on my own work. I never. I guess I, I'm doing well now, so I'm like. But I never. I hate saying that. I, it makes me feel don't, uncomfortable. You, don't be ashamed of your success. <laughs> but like, uh, so I was always like, it was difficult for me to show my stuff. So whenever someone else liked it, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I can do this. So yeah, I got exposed to that, uh, and from Relic, I left to work uh, at a VFX place called Scanline. Which was cool. I worked on some really cool things, some pitches for. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say it. I'll say a Marvel movie. A uh, c- couple other things that were. What above. did it never come to fruition? Um, I left after about eight months. Um, some of them went on to to be completed. I was working. Oh, on so like you did concept art for a wide range of things yeah it was a multitude okay so you don't know if all of them came okay i get it yeah some did some didn't but like um yeah that was a good place but it was like man that was a difficult job like there were some people i have a a story of someone working there and it was his birthday and then everyone's like oh happy birthday and he's like yeah my wife and kids are visiting from california and like oh well where where, like why don't you go see them he's like oh i gotta work on this this shot yeah. Uh, so like he was there all weekend working on this VFX shot and his family had flown out to see him. I think mm-hmm. they only saw him for like, I don't know, lunchtime. 
Uh, and that was it. And I was like, ah, I, I don't know if I want to do this in-house VFX stuff. It's not worth the the price of you know all of that. Um, so I, after that, I went to Microsoft. Um, and the first project there was uh, Ranger. That got canceled. Yeah. But after Ranger, we got Gears of War. And then, uh, yeah, been... So Gears of War 4 is your first Microsoft project. Yeah. The first one that, you know, went all the way through, did it from start to finish. Um, and then Gears of War 5, start to finish. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So with on Gears of War 4, what was your, what was your job title? I was the lead concept artist. Lead concept artist on Gears of War 4. Yeah. And that was kind of shared between me uh, a good friend of mine, Charles. Um, yeah, and then in Gears of War 5, I was just a senior concept artist. I was the lead for a bit, but I did not like leading. It's a lot of meetings, a lot of, like, less drawing. Um, truthfully, I, I, I don't know, the majority of my... I actually like talking to people, but I could be a mute and not... <laughs> you and me both. It's funny, because, like... I sit here and I like doing this, but other than this, I don't really want to fucking talk to people. Like I just can't stand it. Like guys call me and I just, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. It's kind of odd uh, why that is, but even it gets compounded my, by my career and what I have to do. Cause you know, I put on headphones, I listen to some music for like sure. eight hours and then I'm just working, sitting in front of a computer, drawing pictures. But I've been doing that for like, now that's like 16 years almost yeah uh i've been at microsoft for 10 years on and off uh and in between there like yeah i did some movie stuff uh so i don't know how much you can talk about it but uh steve said you worked on star wars for a bit right uh so that's kind of confidential but like um Maybe yeah. off camera I can grill you on it, but right, sure, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that was a, a side project that I did. No, uh, has that released? No, uh, okay. So that's still kind of being worked on, uh, but I've since moved on to something else. But like, uh, yeah, yeah. So on and off for that, um, and just uh, since about five years ago, it's just been a, like. I always have had at least two jobs and sometimes three jobs uh, or at least contracts. So um, it's either uh, an Ubisoft project or um, what did I work on with Ubisoft? Rainbow Six something. I, truthfully, I rarely pay attention to the titles I'm really working on lately. And it's just the content of, of what I get to do and uh, I worked on a thing for Warner Brothers, uh, Monolith Games. Yeah. Some of these projects, um, basically because concept art is the initial phase of things. and it's yes. the, A lot of the work, you, it just never gets released because a lot of the projects either get canceled or it doesn't go anywhere or like... Um, or it becomes something else entirely. Right. Once production kicks in and the 3D artists get a hold of it and, and that goes off on a mind of its own... Um, yeah, it can change completely from where the concept was. So, uh, 
my career lately is mainly in like pitch work and in, in first kind of inspirational type of images, but that's mainly for the beginning of projects or pitch work, which was taking an idea and presenting it to a bunch of executives to go get greenlit or something like that. So a lot of the stuff I've been working on is never made it, or maybe it has, or it's just completely changed. And um, I got uh, it. So but, um, you got involved your your brother. Um, you and him work together um, yeah. at Bhutan Studios for a bit. Where does that fit in? So, yeah, we used to work pretty closely. Through my career at Radical, we, we would always have kind of ideas and we'd collaborate on. We, we made a game, Ninja Boy. Yes, um, he, he explained it to me. And when I heard Ninja Boy, I automatically thought Kung Fu Kid. Right, exactly. Uh, that was, and I asked him, like, where did you get that inspiration? It was kind of uh, different, but that's what it made me think of. Yeah, and that was during the wave of the whole um, iPhone, putting games on iPhone. So we were like, okay, we got to get a game on here to see, uh, you know, maybe we can retire after this. But, you know, the reality <laughs> of it was... It like, got close, but it didn't, yeah. Yeah, it is. Not quite. So, like, uh, yeah, but we were always kind of collaborating, trying to make games... Um, you know, sadly, I kind of like my career was going into a more higher fidelity direction. Like S Steve's stuff was a bit more. Uh, it was just more like side scrolly platformy. And truthfully, I love playing those games. I prefer playing side scroller or top down. But my career is more like uh, bigger budget things like AAA games. Like it, it makes sense. I mean, if you're going to make it big in today's space, films or games. It's got to gravitate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you're like leading, I suppose you could be the art lead and wear five other hats at a, at an indie studio, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So like career path wise, yeah, we kind of, we stopped kind of collaborating and uh, he, he kind of took that on with his, uh, his wife now and they, they're, they're kind of making independent uh, games on their own. And I kind of went more into this, you know, being a soul artist, illustrator um, type of thing. But I still always want to get back to that. Uh, I think once financially, I've, I know, maybe I don't have to work anymore or I don't need money or something like that. I don't know when the heck that day is going to be. But yeah, um, what is that? You, don't, you never know, right? Right. But I, I'd love to just make like a side scrolly type game. Um, it's just difficult. Like a passion project. Right. It's, I kind of relate it to just building a car in the garage type of thing, but it's a video game. Um, but, you know, one day we'll get back to that. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know when but you and your brother are close. Yeah, really close. Uh, I mean, yeah, one of the main reasons I came out to BC was to be, he was in Seattle at the time. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, that'll be cool. I can go visit Steve in Seattle and... Uh, yeah, can like PCs two hours away or whatever. I was actually I was going to get a job or I wanted to get. I picked Relic over three four three studios. Okay. Um, the art so, director there was Ken. What was three? What would three four three be working on then? Um, at that time they they were just getting Halo. Okay, so Bungie had left by then. Yeah, I believe that's the case. What was that? I think it was Halo. That was the first 
343 product, which was, and I, I, you know, I was talking to the art director and then I just decided like, oh no, I'm going to go to, to Relic instead. Cause I was going to stay in Vancouver. And that was because you wanted to be near Steve. Right. Well, actually going to 343 would have got me right into Seattle. So I probably would have gotten closer. I think for the reason I stayed in Vancouver was a girl I was dating or something like that, but. It happens. Man, it happens. I don't, I don't remember who it was, so I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're married now. <laughs> right, right. That's the only thing that matters. Um, so you, you're, you're married. where did you meet your wife? I mean, we don't have to get into the details. I just yeah, yeah, sure. Know. No, it's a funny story. Um, I lived in a, uh apartment complex. Still to this day, it was the coolest apartment complex I've lived in. It had a squash court, had a gym. There was a uh, basketball court, like right, like a step away from my house. It was awesome. Uh, But yeah, um, I met my wife one day after going to the bar and we went into the lobby and the elevator was broken. And there were all these people just milling about the the lobby uh, because we couldn't get upstairs. The guy wouldn't let us go up the elevator. So um, my friend was super drunk, started like harassing this girl, uh, I don't know, saying all these obnoxious things. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's that girl from the gym. Uh, and so I stepped in and like, whatever, my friend stopped harassing her. But then I started to talk to her. Blah, 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 blah. We, the elevator finally gets fixed. And she comes up the elevator with us, and then she lives on our floor. She's my actual next-door neighbor. So that was my first meeting of my future wife. Um, But it was because the elevator broke. I didn't even know that she was there. Um, But yeah, the rest is... So you're in BC then? BC then, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, met her in BC. Uh, So how long have you guys been married? (laughs) I don't know. I'll say eight years. Eight years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because we. I just celebrated my six. And I couldn't. I, same oh, reaction, Greg. Same reaction. It happens. Like how long are you married? I no fucking idea. <laughs> well, like, please don't let let my wife hear this because she'll kill me. Right. Well, truthfully, okay. like uh, Shirley's, she's uh, not all that sentimental about things like that. Like birthdays, Christmas. Uh, so that's great because I'm pretty forgetful. Yeah. Like uh, it was our anniversary on the seventh. I remember that. Congratulations! Right, but like uh, December. So like, um, but I completely forgot. And she like shows up and she gives me this gift. And I'm like, oh, holy shit! Is it our anniversary? She's here's she's, some concept art, baby. I know. <laughs> I just drew this dragon. It's for you. Yeah. Uh, here you go. He's breathing a heart. Oh, you didn't want a dragon? I thought you wanted a dragon. Sorry, honey. I, I you know, I mean, I silly me. I don't know what you want. Right. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, uh, that uh, yeah, but that life's been good. Uh, yeah, two kids. We had our second kid, Alora. Uh, March 14th, uh, Pi Day, but that was like right when the pandemic was like, we didn't know yeah. what it was, if it was going to eat your brain or whatever. Sure. That's when we had our guy, Cruz. I mean, same kind of thing. I mean, since I've I've learned my lesson, I don't give a shit about it now. Right. I just, back then, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. But it, it was like silver lining. I got to spend a, a ton of time with my baby. Right. 
Right. Looking back at that now, I actually, because Shirley spent so much time with the baby, uh, we took Emily out of daycare, but I just spent a ton of time with my oldest kid, Emily. Mm-hmm. And like, we just had a, an awesome a time. I, I would have been working away in an office. We did so much stupid stuff. Um, like, I, I, I don't mean it, but like, to me, everyone has these horror stories. I almost kind of feel guilty about it. But the, the truth is, with everything that's happened, it's been nothing but good for me. Right. Like, it is, yeah. it's sad to say, but like financially, um, personally, I mean, we had a baby during it and, and it's allowed me to spend so much time. I've seen him throughout my, his first year and a half of his life. Yeah, I mean, it's super important to get that type of exposure. Because uh, otherwise, if it didn't happen, I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I really, I mean, I, I have some friends who have kids and they all kind of speak like me, like with great respect for kids and really love it. But there's other people that don't have kids, but I always try to, tell them i'm i'm a really big uh not a fan uh support <laughs> fan of kids uh big, i just think it's a big I, fan of kids you know right. no i think that's what you're supposed to do like after sure. having kids I, I'm hey like, i'm with you listen yeah. y'all do what you want if you don't want to have kids i get it there's a right. myriad reasons not to but i think that's what we're supposed to do right yeah because otherwise what the fuck are we doing right yeah you know people are always like oh what's the meaning like otherwise i'm gonna just drink this and that's it you know right right. uh well yeah like there's all people always have those questions like what's the meaning of life like i think you can make a pretty good argument is to have kids and to like enjoy that time of your life well i mean if you're talking scientifically and evolutionarily the literal meaning life is to procreate. I mean, right, what is right. every other species meaning to do? It right. is that. Unfortunately, I mean, if we're going to get philosophical here, I mean, I suppose we think on a higher plane and we can problem solve and everything. I've read the book Sapiens. I don't know if you have. I have. It's just, it's, it's a fantastic book, actually. But it's like our higher thought processes and do we... I mean, I guess it allows us the luxury to think of things like this. I, I, I mean, I yeah. guess the meaning of life could mean a different things for different people. But right, I, right. When you granulate it down, what is it about? Right. It's about passing. How do we achieve immortality, Greg? Maybe I've I've had a couple bourbons. You know what? <laughs> Maybe I'm talking a little shit. But <laughs> oh, no, I think it's what true. is the what does it boil down to? How do we achieve immortality? passing our genes and our memories down to our children. That's how we live forever. Not to get too, like, I don't know. I always think of, like, these types of things. People are always you know, striving for, like, the fountain of life and, uh, you know, going into the past and the future or whatever. I, I think of having kids as time traveling. Now that I, sounds I crazy. I agree with you. I agree with you. Because, like, you it, we relive. pass on... And then we see the future of. Right. And it's actually designed in a very great way. Because, like, you get to have your time, and then they get to have their time. That's right. If you live to, like, 650, think of all the problems that would cause. Like, no one would get out of the way. It would always be, like, I don't know, everyone would be, I don't know, clamoring at each other. You know, 
don't know. I just think that it, it, the way that uh, that that chapter kind of unfolds is for a very specific reason, and it, it's designed that way through evolution and stuff like that to be that way. Um, yeah, I just uh, I try not to rant too much about my kids, but, but truthfully, my experience with them has been great and it's please don't hesitate because like i'm i'm a mutant all i do is talk about my kid and yeah. i don't even mean to yeah like, oh it's hard my not wife, to. my wife all the time she's like you're obsessed and i don't even know i'm doing it like right. and you know what i don't give a shit like because <laughs> if you don't want to hear about what i'm talking about i guess i don't really want to talk to you like right, right. Because that's what is that's what's important to me yeah. but as an artist do you do you make art about your children no so so, whatever reason, I'm a pretty happy person, but, like, all my art tends to be darker and, uh... Because we would... So, like, I, I think about you, and I think about the things we used to draw, comic-based things. Yeah. You know, war-based scenarios and monster-based scenarios. So, like, how would you typify your motivation for art? Um... I mean, I think, actually, my... My artwork generally, it comes from a pretty dark place, like aesthetically. Like, uh, I just kind of like that stuff, like Warhammer and like Diablo. Like, there's a place where I can comfortably create things in that framework or that setting. Like, I feel comfortable executing things like that. If it gets to, like, I don't know subtle or or colorful or uh, I don't me sensitive I just I don't have a well to draw upon mm -hmm, to like mm -hmm. create stuff I can always think of some sort of you know tool video that I could probably make or uh Ramstein type of video that I could probably make <laughs> I just it but I'm not that person really but uh, inspiration wise I just find it's like a never ending well of like Okay, I can draw something dark and creepy. Yeah. So that's probably certain people move on from that and they, uh, you know, evolve to something a bit more broad. But I, I don't know. One of the reasons for my kind of decent success or whatever was just doing what I like to do, and like mm -hmm. I think that that's really important. Like, yes, you can try to expand in all these different things and cater to all these different types of uh but I, yeah i agree with you i'm a firm believer people create what they're passionate about yeah i mean it, art writing video music doesn't matter what the fuck it is they're you're into it or you're not into it like i can't tell you to draw a flower landscape if you want to draw a troll bashing someone's fucking face <laughs> like you know what i mean like that's the like what you're going to do with, with that ladder scenario is going to be far more interesting than the flower. You know right. what I mean? Right. Exactly. You get like, and, and, and where's it come from? Like, cause we read a ton, a ton of comics. We yeah. played a ton of video games. Like, is that, is that really where it came from? I maybe a bit, uh, like, did I really like reading the... fantasy stuff? Is that where it came from? Or I'm is it just, is it all here? I actually, so, uh, a pretty good contributor to uh why i draw the stuff it was reading those uh dungeons and dragons monster compendiums um, and, and, man we invested so much money 
the one, two, three, up to five, and they all were color-coded red, blue, green, black. Right. Remember they came in those cardboard boxes shit? Oh, yeah. I loved that. I, I loved like, that. Uh... That's funny. Like, Dungeon Dragons has this whole following now. Yeah. But it was super fucking nerdy when we oh, were doing God. it. Oh, God. Yeah. Was it ever? Like, it was, like, like embarrassing to, to publicly talk about playing it. fucking Dungeon Dragons back then. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember... You couldn't even really say it. Like, I was afraid to say I heard. (laughs) I know. Um, But the artwork in that was always really. It was incredible. Yeah. uh, Eastley. uh, Easton? What's his name? Oh, is that the name of the artist? Uh, Eastley is one of them. I remember he used to always draw dragons and, you know, it was all pretty dark stuff. Yeah, medieval fantasy based art. And I I was in, I I thought it was incredible too. Because, I mean, man. Like, again, I was never as good as you, but we would sit down for hours and just draw shit. Yeah, I remember that. That was, uh, I remember it sitting at a, like the coffee table downstairs. I'm like, oh. That, or even outside in your parents' backyard on their on their out, outdoor table. Like, we would right. just draw out there. Right, right. I remember that. And that was a great motivator like, for me. If you think back, was that like your first like art, like class motivation type thing? <sighs> I think so. Uh, I don't remember uh, another. I never did that with another friend ever, actually, truthfully. Yeah. Uh, to this day, I, I don't really do that. Because we did that quite a bit. Yeah. I do remember having like, okay, we'd have like some picture and you have like a Jason mask on and you'd like. Yeah. I mean, or we'd take like an X-Men comic and draw Colossus or something like that. Right. Yeah, I remember that was a... Yeah, Wolverine and Spider-Man. Yeah, X-Men comics we were big into. Yeah, McFarlane, like when he came out um, with Spider-Man and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember trying to mimic that. So between that and Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, yeah, my, my competitions with you, I think the thing was wasn't necessarily like mean spirited as a competition when we were drawing. I would just, it would be enjoyable because I remember I would Absolutely. draw something and you would say, like, Oh, that's cool. And then you would draw something and I'm like, Oh, that's neat. It was a very, like, it, it wasn't mean spirited. I, I was also older than you. So, right. like, you know, like if you were better than me, that means something because I was older than you and you <laughs> were definitely better than me. Oh, uh, I have. I don't actually. I wish I had some of those drawings, but like, uh... yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's just it. Anyone out there, like, if you're if you're drawing, like, whether it's peers or whatever, just just keep doing it. Like, like oh, doodle, yeah. draw, however you can. That's that that really is how you get good at anything you're passionate about. Really. Oh, I think it just. Um... Yeah, I, I've taught some courses. Uh, of course, three D, three D Edge, but. You know, a lot of students are always artists. Generally, have so much self doubt about themselves, much yeah. like a lot of people. But it I think is art- true. Like you, you find like it's like they can be incredible. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is musicians or or, or or videographers or or, or artists. They can be incredible, but they're just like I, I mean, no one cares about what I'm doing, and they're just like right. weird about it. Right. I mean, I I still struggle with that. Like I half I, the battle is just getting over that. Right. Yeah. Um, you got to be comfortable with exposing what your work is, being able to take feedback, but mm-hmm. take it like, like constructively, like take, like not a personal offense, right? Like understand what someone maybe is better is saying to you, try to digest it and to get better. 
uh, like you have to actively try to improve on what your deficit is. Like, mm-hmm. if someone is or no one's reacting to your work, don't blame the system. Like, oh, the system's rigged, or this does it. You know, it's for X, Y, and Z. Try to like distill what feedback you can get out of that. Like, well, why isn't my work being recognized? Why am I not getting like accolades, or why am I not getting praise for certain work? And you gotta like sit and suffer through it and just continually get better. But like, it takes a very, very long time. I think that uh, whatever that Malcolm Gladwell book of ten thousand hours of practicing stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty accurate. You got you gotta just suffer through it. And if you're in the creative field, you have to take a thousand no's before you get a yes. Yeah, I mean right. there are a few lucky few's that get yeses right away. And yeah. that's impeccable talent along with timing and luck. But it, if you want to be an actor, you want to be a musician, you want to be an artist, you want to be anything in that creative field, people are going to tell you you suck right. until they tell you you don't suck. Right. For right. There's there's a thousand guys who were told they suck and now are multimillionaires. Oh, yeah. I mean... Like, that's just the way it is. You got to have a granite skin. And it's funny because creative people... Sometimes are the most self-conscious people. Yeah, you gotta have the hardest outer shell. Right, right. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. What's like that uh, that Jordan quote? Like I failed over and over in my life, yeah. and that is why I. Succeed. But only that is why I succeed. Yeah, it's. Tr- I mean, it's true with a lot of things, but especially in a creative field, like you just gonna have to keep grinding through, take what you can from your losses, and improve on that. I mean. It sounds cliche or whatever. It does but you, sound cliche, but it is true. You learn more from your losses than you do from your successes. If you and that's why I talk with Steve. Like the most successful of the people in the world have failed. Never trust a man that's never failed. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So you're working. What you're working is there like a white whale for you? Is there something like you would love to work on that you haven't got the chance to? I mean, now it seems like. You're still relatively young. I mean, I'm sure you don't feel young with two kids. You're 42. Right. Um, it, it, you definitely feel old and achy. I, I know I do. I feel like I have no energy all the time. But it's like your career is still on the the accelerator. Like, what would you like to do? What are you aiming for? I are mean, you still being? Are you still doing the Greg Danton thing? I'll just take it where it fucking comes. Kind of. I I used to really want to be. Uh, you know, working for film. I, I re- really always wanted to work on like a Ridley Scott movie or like Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, uh, like Dune was a big one, but I had an option to do that. Did you? Um, but I, I didn't take it. It was just too much. I was like, ah, you know, it wasn't like laid at my feet by, you know, the director. It was through a VFX company, but I wouldn't okay. get potentially have gotten the opportunity to maybe work on that but uh i had gotten comfortable enough with like just i actually like drawing in my specific little bubble um and it's that used to be a really big inspiration but it really no longer is i think my new inspiration i would like to make like a a board game right illustrate all the things yeah um there's a really good artist named adrian smith uh, they just released a, a board game, but like I, I'm a big fan of his work. But like, yeah, I yeah, would just like send me the link. I'll, I'll attach it in the uh, the description see. if you want. 
Uh, let's see here. We'll just do it after if you want. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that after. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he, they made a board game. But uh, if there's something very simplistic about the parameters of it. Like, I would be in control of the artwork. And it's basically just that on a card or that on a... On a uh, no, on a book or something like that. So the, the the production side of it is is more compartmentalized. So there's not a whole like you know 3D team. There's not 16 yeah. producers telling you what to do. It's like me and whatever goofy game I come up with. I have always being a concept artist. Like you you work with game designers and stuff like that quite a bit. So I've always liked that side of things. But I don't really want to step on a game designer's toes. I just really at the end of the day just want to draw pictures but i would like to have some sort of future where i get to control the the, the gameplay yeah i feel like that would be a natural offshoot greg like i mean you're the artistic person right and people are giving you ideas but it's only common sense that you would have ideas of your own right like i i mean this is what i like this seems cool i can make this into this why not pursue it right yeah, and the the production side of things is seemingly getting a bit, you know, you can be an independent game maker. You can have a small team of like, and like I talked to with Steve, it's it's easier than ever. I mean, it's easier than ever to make something. I suppose it's more difficult than ever to be noticed because there is more people in it because yeah. of that. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you're good at what you do, like you're good at what you do, games, art, whatever. Yeah. And if you put that out there on those vehicles that are out there, you're going to get noticed. I, I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. And like, is it, is it going to be tough? Yes. Are you going to be successful? Maybe not. I mean, but it's worth trying. It's worth pursuing that. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I freelanced, I, I wrote freelance for right. three years. Oh yeah. Okay. I wrote, my work ended up being on some of the biggest outlets in the world, video game wise. Right. And it was never something like I really chased, but I loved it because I love video games. And right. I had some of my stuff sent back, like guys shit on it with red marks. Right, like it right. just, I thought I, I wrote like the, the, like the Magnus, Magnus Opus. Right. And guys sent it back and, and it was like, this is no good. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, how can oh. I make this better? It's just, it's part and parcel of it, right? Like right. you, That's a creative person has to be enable, you have to have like either self-editing or you got to have someone that can tell you about it. Right. And you have to be able to take criticism. Right. I, I found that the, my stuff improved the most when I could self-edit. I used to yes. always show my work to other people like, oh, what do you think? And they'd give their feedback. And then I showed someone else and they'd give a different thing of feedback. But I didn't own, I really started to make big gains with that stuff when I could self-assess what are other people doing that's making that successful and what am I not doing and how can I improve that? And it was a lot of things where like, okay, I need to go read up on this. I need to to learn what composition really is. I need to know Mm -hmm. how to stage lighting correctly. How do you use lighting to like enhance a picture? How do you actually compose things? There's, there's so much stuff. Uh, you know, my, my wife is in academia. She's been doing that, but she, you know, she always kind of thinks that like art is subjective, but maybe in an art gallery, it uh, can be, 
Right. But I also, I, I, good art is good art. Right. And there's, you know, you can uh, build a house out of cardboard, uh, but that doesn't make you like a carpenter, right? Like, yes. there's degrees of like, what are you trying to evoke and what are you trying mm -hmm. to build? So, like, uh, there's so many fundamentals and principles that aren't necessarily rules, but it does create a foundation for like, what is good artwork or what is, uh, you know, successful artwork. And it's a kind of a funny thing that it, you know, these principles help build towards a desirable end effect. And universally that gets appreciated on some sort of scale. Um, so you have to follow some sort of rules and some sort of structure. Uh, and most successful artists do that in some capacity. It's not just all, whimsical throwing paint against a canvas sure. type of thing but it has to start somewhere it has to start so somewhere. let's relate this back to video games do, are, are you still playing video games like do you, i i know time is slim two kids you have your profession but do you play so the, the last game i played uh was hades okay um, fantastic game i'm a massive super giant fan yeah oh they're amazing they're that everything the artist you talk about artistic talent oh because their style permeates everything they do, from audio to video, like yeah. to visual, and 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 then on. Yeah, the uh, the art style, especially with Hades. Um, yeah, I thought I wanted to play the game just because of the art. Um, mm -hmm. It's done by one. God, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, female concept artist, but she, she does the artwork to such a degree that like they'll give her a rectangle. And say like, okay, we'll just make something out of this, and then she draws literally right on top of it, and it goes into the game. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was probably the last game I played. I used to always play Nuclear Throne. Yes, uh, yeah. But uh, what was it before that? Uh, Bloodborne. I played Hollow yeah. Knight. Um, oh, I love Hollow Knight. Me and your so, brother talked about that. He knows the Team Cherry guys. Yeah. Um, but I really, I you know, I don't really like first-person shooters. I don't really like uh, you and me both. I don't. I'm not a really big cinematic guy. Like, uh, even though I, I need to actually make that's pictures. your work, right? But I don't really like those those types of games. Like, I like they're very types. overly produced, right? Right. A lot of people like these like cinematic experiences, which is cool. I just don't like playing it. I'd rather watch a movie. Like, mm -hmm. um, but anyways, they they all have their place, and it's keeping me employed. So like, um, uh, but like, uh, yeah, I think I played Nuclear Throne more than almost any of those other games. Like, and that's just like a rogue like, it's like Gauntlet, but yes, uh, it's it's pretty difficult. It's not crazy difficult, but I like those kind of punishing. Um, I really wish my brother made Unto the End rogue like. I wish yeah? he did that. Yeah, I think he could have gotten i don't know it's uh, funny like it's it's amazing like these are all creative conceptual design decisions and i i actually kind of grilled your brother when we talked and i was like you know are there regrets and uh, what people held to the fire and you know he told me about some of the the shit he took for like whether it was the rule like dodging back where you took double damage if guys hit you and things like that and right Creatively, I, I, like I understand, you make decisions for a reason, but it's hard to take feedback to adapt to that. Oh man, 
Yeah, he worked his butt off on that. Like, um, yeah, man, I'm pretty proud of him for getting through that. Like, that was not an easy thing to get through. Uh, and so... I think it's a very good game. Like, I haven't yeah. made it through. I've right. only really played about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. But I, 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 I like, I play it. Like, I love smaller games. I like my big games, of course, but I, I've right. become like a critic of some sort. Right. I'm, I'm no fucking definitive voice by any means, but, right. Right. you know, I know, I feel like from where we talked about where we started to now, I feel like I can speak with experience about the things that I enjoy right. with a critical right. eye. Right. And I see what, what he was going through. Right. With the motivations and three, or sorry, the things that he was going for. Right. And it's like you try to have a vision for something and 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 like it you try to make it something, but I, I suppose, you know, there's always there there's like a commercial eye to it too, right? Right. Yeah, it's got a I mean, I think uh a couple of things, if he had slow rolled it a little bit and like had a soft release, there's a lot of things, but you gotta do that all on your own and you kinda only it's learn hard. that stuff through experience, right? So And that's like that's his first game. Like it's right. first real you guys have done smaller game app games, but this is his first major release. Yeah, and you know I think that it was uh, you know, I still don't know if that door is closed, but uh yeah, like if he had a bit more time in the in the chamber type of thing or whatever, I still think it could be cultivated into something like that. But that's up to him what, what the next steps of him, mm -hmm. what that's going to be. But there were really big glimmers of like, okay, this could be pretty fucking cool. Like, um, yeah, but it's difficult, man. And especially going through that. I'm super proud of him for doing that. God, he, he uh, I know that he, uh, he went through a lot uh, trying to get that out. Uh, but yeah, he's gonna move on to something else. Um, yeah, he says he has a, uh, you know, at least three different ideas in the tank yeah. that he's working on. Uh, yeah, I wish him well. I tried to pry some ideas out of him, even off camera. And he was he was quite tight to the chest. Right. I I know. Like myself, like I, um, whenever I'm trying to work on something new, I don't like revealing what I'm working on because I think it gives me the reward. Sure, and I get it. You're you're, it. you're voicing something that isn't even a thing yet, right? And so, like communicating it with other people, you're getting the gratification because normally people say like, "Oh, that's great, you're working on this," and then it, but it's not a thing, right? It de-incentivizes your motivation to go. Yes, this. Um, I agree. I can hear World War Three going on upstairs. Uh, I may have to cut this. No, we're we're an hour and a half in. I actually just allocated an hour for us, okay. but. We're a bit, uh, we're a bit past it. I know you're on Western time. I'm, I'm on Eastern time, so it's hard to, to do it. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, man. Um, oh, man. Awesome. If there's anything else I can add, like we're going to do this again, a hundred percent. Sure, man. But uh, if there's any aspiring artists out there that are listening, is there any advice you would give them? Um, easiest okay. one is don't give up. Uh, you know that's something everyone always says, but like. Learn from your mistakes. If you're if you're not having success, you know, figure out why you're not having success and try to actively improve why you're not having success. And try not to blame the system. Try not to blame your teachers or your environment. It's up to you. You're going to have to build this yourself. No one is coming to save you. Not to rip off David Goggins, but 
Yeah. It's Truthfully, you. no one's coming to fucking save you, okay? You are going to save yourself, okay? Don't rely on other people. Rely on yourself to get you through this. I know that that's, you know, that's sometimes... It sucks. Like, it seems isolationist, but it is true. And it's also, it's a touchy subject because, you know, not everyone gets that opportunity. And I'm aware yes. of that. But you got to do it. If you can, if you have the capability to pull yourself up, pursue that and try to get better mm-hmm. like through yourself. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that's the person who's going to, you know, you, you have to well, do like it with yourself. your art. It's just you, the, the pad or the medium right. and your self-reflection. I mean, that's it. You know if it's good, or even if you think it's good, you're going to have to bounce it off somebody eventually, right? Right, right. And you have to build that kind of mental muscle of self-critiquing yeah. yourself and being able, or one, being able, being aware to like take feedback and where you need to, to fix things and how to self-improve that. Uh, and you have to learn that yourself. And unfortunately, you, you kind of have to learn the hard way. I don't know yeah. of a way it's to... It's trial by fire shit. Anything creative... Anything you want to do in this world is going to be hard. But right. if you're going to work in the creative field, it's going to be even harder. It's good. I, uh, we're almost done. Sorry. <laughs> I get it, buddy. I do 100%. Listen, okay, but- I thank you for doing this. We're yeah, going to talk soon. Great to see you, Greg. Yeah, great to All see you. Best, great, to ta- great to talk to you. I'm glad we did this. It's awesome. Okay, let's pause it. I'm going to say goodbye. Okay, dude. We'll shoot the shit for like three seconds after this, and then we'll go. Okay, later, everybody.